You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Amen. We're so honored and blessed tonight to have Brother Perry with us. And uh, Brother Perry is not a stranger to this church. And uh, back before I even arrived here at Mission Point, this church went to Connecticut and helped renovate their building. And a large group of people went from this congregation. And, uh, and uh, so we're thankful for that. And then we had a group go uh, even since we've arrived. And we've become friends with Brother and Sister Perry, and Sister Perry is unable to be with us tonight. She's not feeling well. But we're so glad. The Perrys helped uh, establish and grow a learning center school in, in the United Pentecostal Church of Botswana with uh, Sister uh, Perry's parents in Africa. Uh, for many years, they were part of that. And eventually, God called them and their family to New Haven, Connecticut, uh, to establish Haven of Hope with the Metro Missions Program. And both of them served... Uh, the region is vice chair of Winter Fire Conference, and that's a great conference in the Northeast that they're part of. And now they're returning to Botswana, Africa, as fully appointed missionaries. And uh, they're leaving their uh, first-generation apostolic couple to pastor uh, the church in New Haven, Connecticut. And God is calling them to the mission field. And um, it, I, I would say probably that little spark never, ever left Amen. And so God's opening that up tonight, and they are um, going to be going to the field, and we're so happy to have Brother Perry with us tonight. And uh, Brother Perry, you're not a stranger to us or this church. We love you, and we want you to come and minister the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. Would you welcome Brother Perry as he comes to minister? Amen. God bless you, brother. If I could just take your pastor everywhere, you know, to introduce vice chair, you know, what in the world? Amen. I love Jesus. How about you? Amen. Some of you know me, some of you don't, some of you are trying to measure me up. You're wondering, is this one of those long preachers? <clears throat> I'm not going to say, <laughs> but I do believe it's going to be a good night. Amen. Amen. I love my God. I don't always love the way he does what he does, but he does all things well. And for many years, we told people that we would never live in Botswana or in Africa again, that we had all intention of going back and forth. And here we stand officially appointed by the United Pentecostal Church as missionaries to go back to Botswana. Folks, Never say never unless you're willing to tell God no. I highly recommend you don't do that. But I am so thankful for what God is doing. Those that know me know I'm a mess on a good day. But when my wife's not with me, it's very scary. So I did... Bring someone with me, and I told Brother Calhoun, he's not near as pretty as my wife, but at least he's good company. <laughs> Maybe I didn't say that. Anyway, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. 
Amen. I just want to say to Mission Point, all the years, I think this might be my third or fourth time ministering here over the years, and uh, we love Mission Point. We love Pastor, Sister Carter. Amen. They've always been so kind to us. My wife was really not very happy that she wasn't able to come tonight, and uh, I don't think you want her here anyway. I love her, but she's miserable when she don't feel good. <clears throat> that was my proper English, when she don't feel good. We planted in the hood in New Haven. Some of you were there, so you know, and our language has evolved, but uh, I do love my wife and, and wish she was here. I give honor again to your pastor, his family. It's so good to have some quality time with my friend, Brother Calhoun, and uh, what an awesome God we serve. Your pastor mentioned a little bit of our story, and I am going to get into the word here in a, in a bit, but some things that the presentation I'm going to show doesn't share is a little bit of how this all happened, and uh, we felt God very much uh, releasing us from the church plant in Connecticut. It had been quite a, a wonderful adventure, and... We felt that God was calling us back to Africa, and I said, Lord, let me help you. Anybody ever been there? God, let me explain something to you. Is it just me? Lord, I don't think you get it. <laughs> Lord, um, people are not busting down the doors to take churches in New England, especially Connecticut, and he kind of smacked me around a little and let me know that it's his church. They're his kids. He's going to take care of them. Sometimes, I'll say this because I'm not your pastor, but sometimes I'm like, Lord, they're your brats. <laughs> amen. <laughs> amen. I got a few amens on that one. Hallelujah. But um, I'm like, Lord, you, you know this. And he just kind of said, why don't you let me worry about that? And we met with our board on a Saturday night, and then we met with the church that next Sunday morning, and we let them know what we felt God was doing and the path that he was leading us on. We let them know before we let anyone else know, and we just felt that was right and in order, and it was a, a very interesting meeting. But one thing that I told Haven of Hope, we'd been trying to purchase a building. We actually been trying to get back into New Haven because COVID had displaced us for nine months, we met in people's yards for nine months. And uh, as a result, we, we lost the facility that we sold a building that many of you worked on. We went into a school because we were growing. We were, we were having a good time. And then COVID hit and they pulled our permits and never allowed us to get them back. And uh, so we ended up meeting about 20 minutes away from where we were. It was not what we wanted, but it was the door that opened after trying to push many doors open. Saying all that to say this, we told the church, or I told the church, my wife wasn't real happy with me, go figure, but uh, I said, church, if you will just accept this, if you'll trust your pastor that God is in this, I am telling you that God's going to open up a door for us to get back into the city limits, and wouldn't you know it, Three weeks later, after an outreach we did and a connection that was made, 
we now have a building there that we are we're renting, but we have full access, full use all month, any day we want, except for an hour from 9 to 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, where three congregations came together to make this one church. And the end of the story is this, that we negotiated that rental for $800 a month, which if you know anything about New Haven, Connecticut, that is a miracle. And we're excited about what God's doing. The young couple that is there, both first generation, he received the Holy Ghost in New Haven under our ministry. And just awesome to see how God does it. Because this young couple came, he was on our ministry team and on our board, and felt that God was telling them they should let their name stand. So Pastor Carter, I said, well, that's, that's wonderful. Let's pray about it. So I, I, I let him pray for a month about it, and then he came back. We just feel that God's calling. I said, well, let's take another month and pray about it. And I did that to him three times. And then we said, well, let's meet the board, and, and let's, let's move forward, because I felt very good about it. But they needed to know that it was God and not just an emotional response. Amen. Enough of that. I want to share for just about, I think it's about five minutes long, it's a video that tells a little more of our story. Some of you know our story, but not this most recent part. And it's got some, some good pictures. I didn't bring popcorn. I'm just testing the waters is what I'm doing to see how this is going to go tonight. But then when we come back, we'll get into the Word of God. Is that all right? Amen. I know many of you have been working all day, and I, I, I respect that. And I'm not normally longer than about two, two and a half hours, but tonight... We will do our best. Amen. Amen. If you'll draw your attention to the screen, I'll ask him to start it. 30 years ago, God called my wife and I to the nation of Botswana in Southern Africa, where we entered into the AIM program of the United Pentecostal Church. During those early years, we saw so many miracles, so many things happen that the only thing you could say is God did it. Botswana is a beautiful country in the desert with the Kalahari Desert at its center. Very young country, it's only 57 years old. When I arrived there, it was only 27 years old. One of the greatest things that we were involved in was the starting of the Learning Center School in the capital city of Haberoni. To watch it start in literally in a garage and grow into a school of almost 700 students with over 100 employees. Absolutely amazing. And when you go there today, and so many of those students are now members of government, there's doctors, there's lawyers. These are now business people that are, are doing tremendous things in that nation. The church in Gaborone started in our house and it started growing and it grew from the house to another location. And watching that grow from 15 to a church in the capital city that was running near 1,000 in attendance at times, the revival that took place, the revival that we were privileged to be part of will be something we will never forget. And we are just delighted to have been a part of what God has done there in those early years. Fifteen years ago, God called us back to the United States to plant a church in the heart of New Haven, Connecticut, literally just blocks from a little school called Yale University. We quickly saw a revival happen. 
It was amazing to watch my children who had grown up in Africa learn how to navigate the American church and the American culture, but still be missionaries. It's a big piece of our life that we will never regret. What a privilege to be part of planning a church in that great city. Up until one year ago, we were pastoring two churches. We genuinely believed we were going to spend the rest of our life in Connecticut with the church there, watching God do incredible things. Until God made it very, very clear we were to return to Botswana and continue the work that he had allowed us to be part of those many years ago. And as much as it grieved me because I loved the people of Connecticut and I loved what we were doing, I knew that we were being called back to Botswana. I knew it was time to go back to the people that I loved and a place that I knew that my husband was feeling the calling to go back to. So now we are returning to Botswana to continue the work that God allowed us to be part of those many years ago as fully appointed missionaries with the United Pentecostal Church. I know, I realize, I get it. All these years, going back, how in the world are you doing that? My, my response is pretty simple. There's no other place I'd rather be than in a land we love, in a land we are called to, with a people that we love so very, very much than to go work with a national superintendent that used to be part of your youth group. No place I'd rather be than right there doing the will of God, the work of God. I cannot wait to get there and see what God has for the remaining years in that nation. There's not just villages that have never heard this truth, but there's entire regions the fact that those people not even had an opportunity to accept or reject this truth, it's just unacceptable. I really do believe that God's sending us back to reach that nation because the time is short. If not now, then when? The time is now, the time is now for Botswana. The time is now for us to go back to Botswana to the people that we love, and to the country that we call home. Everyone that is watching this presentation can be part of what God's doing and going to do in the nation of Botswana. And you can do that by simply committing once a month that you're going to spend some time praying for the Perrys, praying for the nation of Botswana, praying for the church in Botswana. We also need individuals, churches, will partner with us financially. Will you partner with us to see the mission happen in Botswana now? These are our people and we're going home. Amen, amen, amen. I still can't watch that for several reasons. One, it's still Tugs at my heart. And I think the biggest reason is video puts on four more chins. And <sighs> yeah, some of you are laughing because you understand. Amen.
it was mentioned about New Haven, and uh, I just feel to say thank you again to Mission Point. You were the first group that came to help us with that building. It was an absolute dump. Is there anyone here? I know there's a couple that were, were down there for that. We have the most anointed platform in that building. Hallelujah. Praise God. The master carpenter was in the house. And uh, I'm not talking about Jesus. But he was there too. But I'll never forget, we went out to buy wood. And we come back and the young people had taken up almost all the tile in the building. And uh, we just were planning to put carpet over all that. <clears throat> But it was great because we could really start with a clean slate. And I think it was Mission Point. I think you all were there when we had our first service in that building. And when we looked up, we looked up to the sky. Does that sound about right, Brother Hansk? <laughs> we probably weren't supposed to be in there, but the Lord was with us. But thank you again for that. Before we get into the Word, I just feel to share one more thing because... In our video, we don't talk a whole lot about how it all played out, how we uh, felt the call back. And there's a lot of mention of God calling in that video. It makes us sound like we're, we're always hearing him. And I, I'll be honest, there's times I wish I could hear from him. But hearing the voice of God's really not that difficult when you spend time with him. And uh, we truly did not did not believe we would ever go back, and, and here we are going back. And part of the process, Pastor, was the appointment through Global Missions. And uh, we weren't real happy with that process because it took a little bit longer than we thought it should have taken. As a matter of fact, it took a little bit longer than what it should have taken. I know this. However, because of the process... We were able to be in Connecticut because there was a meeting that Haven of Hope was doing on the campus of Yale University, and we just kind of wanted to be there because it's something that we'd spent many hours praying. We did prayer walks on that campus. What many don't know is a few years back, just before COVID, we were able to see an apostolic campus ministry registered at Yale University. To our knowledge, it's the first and only apostolic oneness campus ministry at Yale University. Pretty awesome, pretty exciting. So we were there, we just showed up. We had no responsibilities, and we just felt like we should go and we should be there and watch our team and some others that came and supported. Brother Art Wilson, one young man from his church, was there at school, so he sent a few people. But outside of that, it was just the students and staff of Yale that attended this service in Dwight Hall. And after we get there, God moves. We had three students receive the Holy Ghost that night right on the old campus of Yale. One young lady we got talking to, and we got talking about baptism, and she decided she was going to get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And hallelujah, praise God, she was baptized in Jesus' name. And we started talking after that. This is how God works. We started talking after that, and she found out that we were going to Africa as a missionary. And, and uh, she goes, I'm actually going to Africa this summer as well. 
And I said, really, where are you going? She goes, oh, this country called Botswana. Don't tell me that God doesn't know what he's doing. It was just one of many confirmations. And we were able to connect her with our national superintendent. I don't know the outcome. She's very elusive. But, but wow, the way God does things is perfect. Amen. If you have a Bible, I'd like you to open to Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read just two verses, verses 3 and 4. And then I'm going to go to Matthew 15, 21 to 28. Stories, both of these scriptures, I'm sure you have heard either bits, pieces, or all of it. Matthew, I'm pretty confident you know the story, but we're going to just see what God will do here. Is that all right? Amen. So Romans chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. It says, for what if some did not believe? It's a question mark. Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? It's another question. Verse 4 says, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Doesn't say if you're judged, it doesn't say you might be, but it says when you are judged. How many know if you take a stand for Jesus Christ and this truth in the world that we live in, in the world that says don't judge me, you're likely going to be judged. I read this scripture, and it was actually a time that I was, I was just reading and studying, and it just kind of hit me pretty pretty hard. It says, what if some did not believe? It's almost to me like God saying, so what if they don't believe? Because the next portion says, Shall, will it make the faith of God without effect? And I, I read that and being the smart, young, intelligent preacher that I am, I, I pushed the buttons on my computer pastor that told me that this faith of God is not quite like the faith that I think of. What it is literally talking about, because I, I, before we go there, I, I just, I was like, the God that I serve is not some God that I think needs faith. I believe when he spoke the world into existence, it just was. I don't believe in a thousand a day, thousand year theory. I just, I just believe he spoke it and it was. Now, pastor can clean that up if you believe any different, but I believe in an all powerful, omnipotent God. I believe in a God that doesn't have to get all stirred up and get excited about what he's doing. He just does what he does because he's God and he does it well. And I read that and I said, Lord, I, I don't quite understand you. Why would you need faith? And then because what I already mentioned, I was able to push those buttons and I discovered very quickly that if I would have just picked up some other translations outside of the king's uh, language here in the King James Version, many say, shall it make the faithfulness of God without effect? That's a more direct translation. And I thought about that and I said, wow, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. I am so glad that my doubt didn't take away from his faithfulness. 
I'm so glad that my unbelief did not take away from his faithfulness. I'm so glad that their unbelief did not take away from the faithfulness of my God. There's a reason why I can come into the house of God on a Wednesday night. And I've been there and I'm doing it a little different now, but I've been there where I worked two, three days and have to come to a midweek and I'm just like, oh Lord, I'm here. I'm thankful I made it. But more than that, I come in saying, Lord, I'm thankful for your faithfulness toward me. I'm thankful, Lord, that I have what I have in you because I certainly don't deserve this. I I don't deserve, Lord, to come in to Mission Point on a Wednesday night and feel your presence, God, and, and just be able to come and let all that mess because it doesn't take away from your faithfulness. This faith of God. Let's read from Matthew chapter 15, 21, because some probably have not had supper yet. Did I get it right? Dinner's lunch. Uh, Folks, I've lived in Africa, Connecticut, which is not America. It's just Connecticut. And we love Canada, but we're trying to figure some things out still. Matthew 15, verse 21. You know the story, I'm sure. Let's read it anyway. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he said, I lost my place. He didn't say that. I said that. But he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. I wonder in the house tonight how many parents are here. Anybody? Raise your hands like you're proud to be a parent. Hallelujah. My wife and I are blessed with two children, son and a daughter. The daughter's the oldest and son the youngest. My son is actually headed to Botswana right now to preach. I'm very excited about that, but... He's, he's a little crazy. He's flying in just the day of the conference, and he's flying out the day after because he's just, must be his mother. Anyway, but they grew up in Africa. They're my African-American children. They have the birth certificate to prove it. And uh, there's, there's, there's times we would come back from Africa because in Botswana, there was no Toys R Us. There wasn't stores just to get good clothing. So when we would come home every couple of years, my kids would get just about anything they wanted because we just saved up the money. And it was just going back with all these new clothes and some toys. And, and we would spoil them rotten. We would take them through every drive through they wanted to go to because we didn't have all that there. It was just a different world. But I, I'm not going to tell you which one. I, I, I won't mention her name, but she, she had this gift of just throwing a tantrum in the stores when we come home because she wasn't getting everything she wanted. 
And uh, I'll never forget the one day, Pastor, she threw herself on the floor. I picked her up. This is a true story. And I put her in the shopping cart, and I go, girl, if you don't want to be locked up in the closet for another week, you're going to stop that. I wasn't really angry. I was just having fun. And my wife goes, you can't say that. They're going to come find you and lock you up. I said, where are they going to find? They're going to find me in the Kalahari Desert? Really? And for those that are concerned, we never lock them up ever in any closet or anything else. (laughs) But as a parent, I think we can relate to this Canaanite woman. Because I would do anything for my children. I would do whatever it took for my children to be healed, for my children to be successful, for my children to be saved. If I could take their place in any situation where harm would come to them, I'm telling you, I would do that. That's how much I love my children. And being a dad with a daughter, Sorry, Alex, if you ever see this, there's just something a little more deeper with the daughter. I have told a few of her friends that were not girls. Don't be fooled. I can still have a ministry in prison. It's a true story. I love my kids. And here this Canaanite woman was in a situation where I feel she had tried everything she knew to do and she realized that she could not do what needed to be done. It wasn't in her ability to deal with this demonic situation. But she had heard about this Jesus and she heard that the miracle worker was in town. And she goes to the place that he was at and evidently he was there with his disciples and he was teaching as he normally would do and she comes into that place and she sees Jesus and her eyes are fixed on him I am sure of it and she says Lord I need your help my daughter is vexed with a devil and if there's anybody who can take care of this I know it's you this woman seemed to have an understanding of who Jesus was And just like I've discovered in my life, and I'm pretty sure many of you have in your walk with God, I find so often I feel so desperate and I feel like I can't do this anymore. I can't handle this. And I go to Jesus and his response is simply silence. Anybody, anybody? I I see some gray hair in here. I, I I know you've been through it. I can't imagine I've prayed, I've felt his presence, I knew he was there, but he doesn't speak. But this woman was literally in the physical presence of the Almighty. And he does not respond to her. I don't know how that makes you think you would react, but I have a feeling I don't know that I would react like this Canaanite woman. I have a feeling that every doubt I've ever had, every question I've ever had would surface and the enemy mess with my mind and my thoughts. I don't know how I would react. But it doesn't get much better because as she's there in front of Jesus, the disciples say, Lord, send her away. She's annoying us. It's a little parry paraphrase. She's not behaving the way she should behave. You know, the disciples, the church, the saved, 
want her gone because they want Jesus to themselves. It's all right. I'm leaving in about 40 minutes, I think. I don't know. I heard there might be food. I told you with my wife not here, it's dangerous. I hope she's not watching. I hope she's resting like she should. But I, I remember a time where we had this man walk in from the street in New Haven. Those that were there, you know the, the environment that was there. We had a lot of crazies come through the door of that church. Sorry, that's, I mean, legit. If crazy was a medical term, they were crazy. But this one gentleman, I understand, this one gentleman walks in. I see him from the, the, the platform, and, and we're getting ready to start, and three of our men gathered around him because that was the culture of the church. It was, one, to show ourselves friendly, but two, to make sure everyone was safe. So these three men are trying to get this gentleman's name, and he was a, a very short man, about this big, you could tell, probably uh, maybe homeless, not sure, but, but he would not give his name. He just kept responding, my name is Servant of the Lord. They said they asked him three times for his name, and he just kept saying, Servant of the Lord. So one of the dear brothers says, do you mind if we just call you Serve for short? At which point he said that would not be good, and he left. Now, I don't know if the Lord saved us from some kind of drama that night, but I have to wonder, Pastor, I wonder what would have happened if those three would not have found humor in the situation, but instead would have said, come on, my brother, come sit with me. I wonder what would have happened if they would have just loved on that guy instead of just saying, oh, we got a live one here. And perhaps maybe he got the Holy Ghost that, that night. Maybe he did have some mental problem. What would have happened if, if the miracle worker that was present in that service would have healed the servant of the Lord? And what, what if he would have turned into a missionary or a preacher or better yet, a disciple maker? What would have happened had they not found the need to send the Canaanite away? Boy, I think, I think somebody's thinking right now. I hope you're thinking right now. But I, I, I'm back to this Canaanite woman. Jesus is silent. The disciples want her gone. She must have heard them say that to Jesus. And the next thing I read in the scripture is that after they're trying to send her away, the scripture says, then she comes worshiping. What is your response to his silence? What is your response to your brother, your sister, the disciples that want you gone, that, that maybe you've joined the I've been hurt.com and you feel like you've been so offended you can't stay at that church anymore? What would happen if you would just simply say, I've got my eyes on Jesus and I don't really care what anyone else has to say because I am here and I am desperate for him to do something in my life. I believe with everything that's in me, it was a matter of perspective here. 
here. This woman, this Canaanite woman came in desperation, but somehow in her desperation, she had a revelation of who Jesus Christ was. And she knew that even if he was silent, he was still doing a work. Even if he was silent, he still cared about her. He still cared about her daughter. He was wanting to perform a miracle. But he was just waiting for a worshiper. The disciples wanted her gone. But he was just waiting for a worshiper. Worship gets the attention of God. I know I'm with a bunch of believers that understand this. We get this. But how often do we really live it? How often do we let all the doubt and the disappointment of life just fall off to the side and say, Lord, I'm going to worship you no matter what. I'm going to worship you in your silence. I'm going to worship you when it seems like everybody's against me. Because worship gets his attention. When's the last time you woke up on a Monday morning saying, I don't know if I can handle another week. But instead of that, you said, Lord, I don't want to hear it from anyone else. Lord, you seem to be quiet these days. But oh, thank you, Lord, for another week. Thank you, Lord, for another day. I give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. I love you, Lord, with everything that's in me. Lord, I place my family in your hands. I place my finance in your hand. Because, Lord God, I know that you are the King of kings and the Lord. Just get lost worshiping him and saying, devil, you can bring everything you want toward me in this place, but I've got a God, and i got my eyes fixed on Jesus, and nothing's going to separate me from him. Jesus' name. Somebody's in this house tonight, and you don't really know how you can go on with all of it. You're, you're just frustrated with life, and it's not turned out the way you planned. I, I just feel like somebody needs to hear this very clearly. God wants you to worship Him. Worship's not just when we come to church. Worship's a lifestyle. Worship's... To me, a determination to make it known. I am a child of the King, and I'm going to give Him all the honor, all the respect, all the praise. I'm not going to let the mess of this life and this world get my eyes off of Jesus. And when she worships, He finally responds. Well, we love these little fixes. You know, if we worship, everything's going to be great. Jesus' response to the Canaanite woman was you dog. Huh. Wait. He's silent. Disciples want me gone. I'm worshiping him. He calls me a dog. Rick Perry would say, I'm out of here. But this Canaanite woman, she seemed to know something. She seemed to have a perspective the others didn't have. I'm convinced... I got these theologians here, you know, but I'm convinced, and, and Brother Calhoun, maybe you can fix me on the ride home, but I have a feeling it was a matter of that perspective. Those disciples had been sitting and feasting at the master's table. They were just taking in everything they could take, and she was disrupting their feast. She was disrupting everything they were trying to get from their Messiah. They, they, they realized who he was, and they, they realized how much they could glean from him. But here she comes disrupting things. They're looking down and saying, oh, please send her away. I, I got a little more to partake of here. But she comes in as a dog. 
looking up at the master and at the master's table. I have a, just a, a little feeling that when I get to heaven, I'm going to feel a little bit like that myself. I'm going to kind of feel like he actually, he actually welcomed me in. I'm really here. I'm really in the presence of God Almighty. I, I'm really able to dance for a thousand years and not get short of breath. I, I'm really able to be here and worship Him for eternity. And there'll be no more pain there, no more sickness, no more sorrow. I don't know. We've talked about some death. I, I, I can't wait to get there and worship with my mother and just say, Oh, Mom, what's it been like? I, I can't wait for that day. Why? Because I hope that my perspective stays right. I hope I keep looking up to Jesus when it gets difficult, when it gets overwhelming. I pray, Lord God, that as we go, wherever we go in life, God, that I am able to keep my focus on you, to be a worshiper of you. Hallelujah. I only got an hour to go, church. Just stick with me. His response was definitely not what she was looking for. But she responds by saying, truth, Lord, you speak truth. Yet, if I can just get the crumb, I'm not going to preach that. Better preachers have preached it, but if I could just get a crumb, I don't have to sit at the table. I don't have to have all the fixings, as we would say, where my family comes from. But I, I, I just need a crumb, Lord. I know a crumb will take care of my daughter. I know just a crumb of this, what you have to offer is far more than I could ever dream of. I wonder tonight, church, how many have walked into this place saying, I'm a little weary, I'm a little worn, it's, it's been a little rough, it's been a life that I, I really didn't expect. I, I thought it would turn out different, but, but what if we just said, oh, if I can just get a crumb, if I can just get a little bit more, Jesus, I know, God, you'll take care of my daughter. I know, Lord, that you'll heal. I, I know, Lord, because you... You are faithful. Are you glad your unbelief didn't take away from his faithfulness? There's so many examples of so many that I, I see them as failing God. As being not what they should have been for him. We can go all the way to the beginning, to Adam and Eve and the forbidden fruit. You know the story. But I used to think, oh, if that woman, if that woman would have just stayed away from the tree, it's all the woman's fault. Oh, the women are giving me looks right now. Don't worry, ladies, I'm on your side. Because now I think, what if those men, what if Adam, would have been the man of his home, the spiritual head of his home. I wonder what would have happened if Adam had said, oh, baby, you should not have done that. Let's go talk to Jesus. Let's make this right. But instead he says, well, it does look pretty good, and you seem to be okay. Mm. I'll just leave that right there, because I think some men are picking up what we're throwing down. Hallelujah. Maybe wives, you could elbow them. It wasn't in my notes. That was free right there. That was good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Cain and Abel, the wrong sacrifice. The I know better what he wants attitude. 
Moses and Aaron. What did, what did Aaron do? Aaron made an idol for the, God's people to worship because I don't know what Aaron's thinking. He's probably thinking a mountain lion got Moses. Maybe he tripped and fell and knocked his head. I don't know. But I, I got to do what I got to do. This is how I know how to do this. Samson and Delilah, you know the story. David and Bathsheba, if you know, you know. Peter, Peter. Peter, the one that has the keys to the kingdom, the one that, that Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. That same Peter denies him not once, twice, but three times. That same Peter is hiding in the shadows when Jesus is crucified. But oh, he's faithful. Despite their doubt, despite their failures, He's still faithful. In the cellar in Cologne, Germany, after World War II, there's a story that tells of a poem that was etched, sketched, drawn into the walls of that basement. And the poem said, I believe. I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I feel it not. I believe in God even when He is Maybe you should stand with me so you have hope. I used to say false hope, but there's really hope. It's Wednesday night. I promise if it was Sunday morning, I'd behave a little better. I had to ask myself, what causes this, this unbelief? And I go back to the stories mentioned, and I believe this to be true. Things we cannot find immediate answers to will cause us to doubt. I used to want to know what, what Noah did with the termites until my wife began to study and discovered pitch is something termites will not try to eat through. Remember the ark? It was pitch. I now want to know if woodpeckers will tackle pitch. I don't know. But answers that we can't seem to find will cause us to doubt. Aaron, was it the voice of the masses that caused you to do what you did? Moses, was it frustration? I know with Samson, I, I, it was the seduction of sin. David, the lust of the flesh. Peter, watching his leader, all his dreams be torn to shreds. I just want someone to hear this tonight, regardless of your failures. Regardless of your hurts, God is still faithful. Jesus is still on the throne. Why would he heal me? Because he's faithful. Why would he deliver me? Because he's faithful. Why would he restore my finances? Because he's faithful. Why would he bring that loved one back into the kingdom? And after all they've done? Because he's faithful. I've taught entire semesters, Bible college on soteriology. It's just a big word I learned. But it's a little more than that. But when it comes down to it, when I repent and He forgives me of my sins, why would He do that? How does that really work? Well, 
because he's faithful. And he said he will forgive. When I was baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins, how does all that work? Well, we could spend weeks on that topic, but here's the bottom line. He's faithful. Why would he fill you with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost? Evidenced by speaking in a language you've never learned. Well, you don't know, preacher. I've been praying for that for many years. Can I just tell you, he's faithful. But he's looking for a worshiper. I'll never forget. I really am about done. gentleman that was well into his 60s in New Hampshire was at a men's conference that we were doing there and I knew nothing but he walked up to the left of or the right of the pulpit, my left and this guy just was worshipping with everything that he had speaking in tongues and I thought oh, isn't God good a good old saint just getting a hold of Jesus. Pastor Hal came up to me and says, Brother Perry, you have no idea. I said, no idea. What would help me? And he pointed that man out and said, he has been praying for the Holy Ghost for 39 years. So if you're here and you've been praying for it, for, don't stop. Get a revelation all over again of who he is and that he is the faithful God. As you worship him, he'll fill you, whether it be here, whether it be home. I don't know who that's for. I don't normally go there. Quite like that. But I wonder if you're here tonight and you just need God to do something. Maybe you need the Holy Ghost. Maybe it's been a long time since you've spoken tongues. Tonight would be a good night. Maybe you got a proverbial daughter at home vexed with the devil representing some situation that you don't know what to do. Maybe you should come and just worship. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.